Chaos and Christ Podcast. Chaos and Christ Podcast. We honor Christ. Lift heavy weights, act like men, and resist tyranny. And now your host, Alexi Felix. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Chaos and Christ Podcast. I'm your host, Alexi Felix, and it's a pleasure to be tuning in with you again today. We're going to be diving right into what's been going on, and we're going to get a little bit close to home in my city, Chicago, Illinois. Past Sunday, there was basically some rioting and looting from young adults and teenagers, mostly teenagers, and uh, it was called a mob action, right? Mob action in Chicago. Uh, so hundreds of teens, young adults, you know, riders flooding the South Loop late Sunday, looting a local convenience store. Now, I've actually used to work in South Loop, so kind of like the area that they're in, I'm pretty familiar with. A reporter refers to action as mob action. I mean, what else do you call it, right? Mayor Johnson rebuttaled that language. Quote, this is the quote, we're not talking about mob actions. I didn't say that. These large gatherings, it's important that we speak of these dynamics in an appropriate way. Well, I thought I'd take the liberty to just let you know that typically when we uh, talk about mob actions, it is a large gathering of people committing typically criminal acts, which is literally the case. So he just reiterated what was said. He just didn't like the term mob action. And went on to say that we can be calling them little Al Capones. Where that came from, I don't think anybody said that they were little Al Capones, but Mayor Johnson himself. And I guess what what's happening here is that when he hears the word mob, he equates that to the, like the mafia. <laughs> so I don't know if he's truly grasping that. It didn't seem like he was understanding the language there. He he took it negatively and wanted to change it around, only saying the same thing in just basically different words, but th- it means the same thing. So no one was saying that they were little Al Capones. Yeah, though, they were committing crimes. So, you know, do with that as you may. 32, there was about 40 people, 40 young people there. 32 of these were teenagers. All right? Just Think about that. Young, impressionable teenagers with a lot of emotion, a lot of rage, and a lot of just, well, just giving into their emotions. Now, what else was found? Guns were indeed found on the scene. So my question about that is, aren't we, in the state of Illinois, aren't we the ones that have the most strictest gun laws, if not the only state that has the most strictest gun laws? I mean, you can quote me on that, but uh, I definitely know that we have probably the most on the books. And aren't they supposed to be kind of stopping this? Maybe we just need one more law and then that would do the trick, right? Maybe. Now, more statistics for you as far as what is happening in the city of Chicago, my city. Crime in Chicago was up 36% year to date as of July 30th with motor vehicle theft up by a whopping 116%. Better watch your cars, folks. Better get some alarms, put one of those old school handles on the wheels, you know what I'm saying? Get some surveillance cameras because they're jacking it. So just something to think about. But again, guys, mob action, large gatherings, literally the same thing that Mayor Johnson 
did not like, and maybe he isn't truly comprehending what the word means, and is equating it to, you know, the mafia, which was well, it's kind of funny. But you got to understand that there's something that he's doing here. I mean, he is changing the language, and I think there's a lot of reasons for it. Now, as I was watching the video, when the news reporters were asking him, there was some little interjection from the reporter, and you can see Mayor Johnson when he he takes a pause. Because of a reporter saying what well, they were committing crimes, they were doing, they were destroying things, they were looting, stealing. He bites his lip almost to withhold anger, but to display that anger, but that somehow it's under control. Look, I know anger when I see it. Okay. And if I'm going to expose myself for a quick second, that's something that God has definitely been dealing with me for all of my life. When that happens, it's because the emotions in your heart is racing. Your heart's pounding with the questions. He didn't like what he heard, and he got emotional about it. He got what we like to say triggered. But he's obviously a public official figure, and he has to show face. But he was not afraid to show that that was not something he was going to let slide. And I think that was some sort of a position of authority play. But in reality, what you see there is a weak man with, in my opinion, just the incapability of really being able to to just take the heat, so to speak. And he wants to shut that down. He bit his lip. He didn't look happy with that. As if to say, if y'all if don't stop, it's going to get real in this place. So anyway, just some body language, some psychology I, I kind of picked up on. I think the man deals with some anger, okay? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Now, why does Mayor Johnson worry about the language being used? Why does that matter to him? Well, there's a couple of points I think that I want to bring up. And if you've spent any amount of time on this podcast, there's going to be some terms that I use that you're, you should be used to. This is what Marxists do, all right? They do so in also to, to create a division, right? Remember, the Marxist worldview is oppressed and the oppressor, the victim and the victimizer, right? There's a class division there, and there's some sort of systemic problem within this section of the group. And what is Mayor Johnson trying to do? I think he's trying to position himself as the savior of the oppressed by making sure that the language being used by the reporters is boldly in public refuted. Though he's saying the same thing, right? You know, mob action, large gathering, literally what that means. But he, I think, one, maybe he doesn't understand it. Maybe he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. He didn't quite seem like that, especially when he equated mob action to Al Capone. Clearly, he that kind of went over his head. But maybe he's very cunning and smart, and he understands that they may not understand it. One thing's for sure. Someone's not understanding the term mob action. And so either that party, him, both, whatever, there's a lot of ignorance coming in this kind of conversation, as I, I can see. But there's, you know, in the Marxist worldview, there's a bad guy and there's a good guy. And what is Johnson trying to do? Mayor Johnson is trying to position himself as the savior of the good guys, quote unquote, from the bad guys, right? From the labeling, from those that are considered oppressed. So just keep that in mind. He, he is trying to position himself as saying, I have your back. All right. I'm not going to let these guys talk down to you. They don't understand your pain and struggle. Another reason why. It's a long game, guys. It's a long game. 
There's one thing that, that Marxists have that I really wish more conservatives had as well, especially Christians, is a long-term game plan, an understanding of the future, an understanding that the things that we do today really do affect tomorrow. And if you're trying to win in the long term, you have to strategize. And Democrats are really good with that. The Marxist leftist Democrats are really good at that. They don't think in the moment. They don't think even probably a year or two from now. I honestly think they believe or think 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years into the future. And that is pretty relevant considering the day that we find ourselves today. And if you go and look at the ideology that is permeated today within that party and within leftism, you can see that it's actually been there rooted for many decades. This has been a long-term game. It's what I'm trying to say. So if they, if Mayor Johnson can, if that's how he's thinking, or maybe those in his team are thinking for him, can think that eventually these teenagers will eventually become 18 years old and vote, well then, if if there's no correction for their ways, if they don't see their ways as unjust, corrupt, then they're going to remember this guy and vote for him because he gave them the free pass. It's a long-term game strategy. I don't know if Mayor Johnson is that wise or smart. I'm not saying he's not, but I'm not saying that he is either. He is surrounded with political savvy strategists and analysts and people. And so you know for a fact that someone's thinking long-term, and that's a long-term game in my opinion. What else? Gaslighting, right? So again, this is to basically tell you, you didn't see what you saw. You didn't know. No, that's not what happened, right? Gaslighting the public, right? Again, this could be the position of being the savior and to control public outrage, right? Because politicians, I mean, they still have to remember that we are still, and at least in America right now, we are a constitutional republic and it's ruled by the people. Right? I think the mayor gets, what, two years? Even though Chicago really dropped the ball on this one. I mean, how do we go from Lori Lightfoot to this guy? And, and then most Chicagoans agreeing that Lori Lightfoot was a disaster. Well, when people decide to take a back seat and not get involved or understand what's happening, this is what happens. Nevertheless, I digress. Gaslighting. That's what we're seeing here. It is just to tell you no. I mean, he, he used a term. It's not to obfuscate what happened, right? And I looked up the term obfuscated, and it's really just to say that it's unclear, that it isn't, it means unclear, unsure. And so basically he's saying it's not to say that we're, it is unclear what happened. Well, good, because what clearly happened, Mayor Johnson, was that there was criminal activity by a large gathering, as you so like to put it. And they looted and rioted causing destruction to businesses. That is not the term of loving one's neighbor. That is criminal acts. And justice has to be served for that. That is a, a, a disruption on order. That is a, an attack on someone's personal property, a convenience store that provides goods and services and employs certain people in that community. That hurts them just as much as they think that, that they're being hurt or, or whatnot. So that's where that's at. Another point I want to kind of draw near to is like, where are the parents? Where are the parents? That's 35 
teenagers documented as far as not adults. So where are the parents in all of this? This is not the first time this has happened, by the way, in Chicago. So we are seeing this to be consistent. It seems to be like a trend that's tend to grow. And again, we asked that question the last time something like this happened. And so the question has to continue. Like, where are the parents? Where are the parents? Well, I'm going to dive into that a little bit more. And what I'm going to talk about might be uncomfortable. And I'll be honest, it may not be something I, I feel comfortable myself talking about, but I'm about the truth here. I'm about the truth, and I have to stick to it. In the south side of Chicago, it is predominantly black Americans. Let's just be real. I used to work there. Not to say that it is 100%. It's not the case. Again, I used to work there. I met all kinds of people, all kinds of great people. I worked in, that, in the heart of that city, in that part of the city, in a retail store. So I, did, I dealt with a lot of the public. But I also dealt with a lot of other things, too, that I definitely saw. And this was even before the time I was driving. So I was taking the, uh, the bus to the red line, brown line, blue line, all that. I'm a Chicagoan. I know what's up. Okay. So anyway, here are some statistics that you may not like to hear, but they are very true. In Chicago, eight out of 10 black births in 2020 were to unmarried mothers versus little more than one in 10 for whites. Which means that 78% of black children are born to unmarried household. That is an astronomical number. That is a huge number. Has a lot of implications on such a deep spiritual level that, well, maybe I'll get into a little bit more deeply. But those that are listening, you probably understand already just by hearing those numbers. What we also see in that regard is that there is no personal responsibility taking place. No personal responsibilities from fathers, mainly. Fathers. And what, what has happened in communities like this is that I think it has been perpetrated on by the government themselves. The very same people that are trying to play savior like Mary Johnson and trying to, you know, coddle those that commit crimes and just tell them that we got your back. The very same people that say they have your back are the people that created this lifestyle for you. They created the system and the atmosphere of government assistance and welfare and the government basically saying, I'm your dad. So dads don't need to, to be responsible because we're going to cover the mothers. We're going to give them the assistance. All these things lead, have implications on a community. It takes away dignity. And when there's no fathers in the household and look. I grew up without a father in the household. Puerto Rican, firsthand understand the struggle of what that does to a young man, psychologically, mentally, and spiritually. If it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for the gospel, and, that, and if it wasn't for God surrounding me with men who took the time, I have one person in particular in my mind who took the time to mentor me more diligently than many others, but all of these men were collective to help me, to equip me, to challenge me, to show me bits and pieces of manhood. If it wasn't for the grace of God, the church and mentors, I'd be in the same boat. And not to say I was never, I was a saint because of it. I mean, I did some things. I've sinned in my life. I've created situations in my life that even to this day, I'm paying consequences for. The fact is a father not being in the household in a married context 
honoring God is a detriment to many young men in general, not just black men, many men in general, me being one of them. So I just thought I'd say that. But when this happens, you have to consider, and this is just my opinion, this might be a little bit of a, a little bit of conspiracy theory, but I think the government's doing this on purpose. They do this because they create a welfare community. They create dependence on the government. And that's what they want. That's what leftists want. Their worldview is one big government. They think that they have the answers to, what, to, to our problems. And when we put aside personal responsibility, when we take in the handouts and become to grow entitled, then what you get is this. Angry children with no direction, especially young boys, no direction with all that testosterone and, and anger and rage building up, looking for purpose, looking for validation, but not getting any. And the only thing that validates them is the music, is the streets, and those in the streets. Now, couple that with young men in the streets, meeting older men who were raised in the streets, repeating that cycle. And when, what do you get? You get what you get and what you see. Things like this. So, why does our leadership allow this? Well, again, in my opinion, control. And this is also from a Marxist worldview. Some of these people truly believe in their Marxist worldview. This is just man looking for purpose that is higher than themselves to bring about something good and just. When we don't have Christ, when we don't have the truth of the gospel, then we look for counterfeits like ideologies such as Marxism, postmodernism, whatever. These things are empty, empty philosophies that, that are truly destructive. And so maybe Mayor Johnson truly thinks he's doing a good service, but I don't think that's the case. I don't think biblically that's the case. And I think that the evidence are bearing fruit that it's just causing chaos. That's all that is. And then that's just kind of where I stand. But the main thing, too, is I think a lot of these people are very unqualified. I I, I mean, I don't know much about Mayor Johnson, so I'm not going to jump, jump into that. I don't know. I mean, I'm still kind of baffled that he would equate the term mob action to little Al Capone's. I think that's kind of funny, to be honest with you. I, I just, again, I think it went over his head. And I've seen comments. I mean, I did the research. I was going through comments on Instagram. And a lot of people will say, I don't think this guy has the highest intelligence. I'm not saying that. It's just what I saw in comments. You can look it up yourself. It's everywhere. But ultimately, I, I do think that, you know, that's he's unqualified because that's not what leaders do. Now, if you're trying to help a community, especially young men, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. We need that. We clearly need that, right? But to, to negate, to not simply say what happened was wrong, there, there's a problem there because what it does is it emboldens them. And, and guess what? This is a male figure who has given them the past. So now they're validated. The very thing these young men need, they just got from the mayor. He validated them. There's a lot of serious implications to this. There's a lot of things that leadership brings upon itself. God holds many men 
severely accountable for leadership roles because of that. Because what you say and do truly can guide a people. And either that's a, a guide of chaos and destruction or peace, prosperity, truth, love, and God's way. And so we are held truly accountable. So what I want to do is I want to take some time and I just, you know, I, I dove into the chaos. Let's look at what scripture says. All right. Let's look at what Christ will have us know. Leviticus chapter five, verse one. I'm going to read. I'm going to grab my Bible here. I'm going to read. Now, if a person sins after he hears a public oath to testify when he is a witness, whether he has seen or otherwise known, if he does not tell it, then he will bear his guilt. When we see, when we are told that something has happened, that things are happening, and the public is aware of it, and they're, they're saying it out loud, hey, a crime is happening. Two or more witnesses, right? In this case, pretty much the city is saying, this is what's happening. And you refuse to tell it, acknowledge it, to admit to it, to call it out, you bear the guilt. That is what leadership requires of us. Another passage of scripture is found in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 9. Speak up and judge fairly. Speak up. Say it with your chest. Do not be afraid. Don't try to reword languages so that way you can kind of soften the blow. Speak up and judge fairly. Oh, Alexi, thou shalt not judge. You shouldn't judge. You don't understand. Have to, most people really misquote that text of Scripture. We are not to judge unjustly. We are not to judge with specs in our own eyes, right? Because that's just hypocritical. But I don't think Mayor Johnson has been looting and rioting a, a bunch lately. And so he has a very, the very right to judge this situation fairly, to call it out for what it is. Not only because he's not being hypocritical and, and actually doing what they're doing, but he's in the position of leadership that God has called him to, clearly. So his job is to speak up and judge fairly to defend the rights of the poor and needy. The rights of the poor. I mean, think about those employees in that place that may, they, they may have their jobs affected. Or maybe not. Maybe they'll have the job to obviously fix up the place, but what if they have to shut down for a while? What if that business owner has to shut down for a while? How will they feed their family? You think because they have a business that they're rich? That's not the case. And now you might say, well, Mayor Johnson was defending them, the poor. No, that's not a, a proper defense. They may be needy, those kids. Yeah, maybe they're financially poor. Truth be told, I would say that they're spiritually poor at this point as well, emotionally as well. And for the most part, not completely their fault, but that doesn't negate their responsibility. And it doesn't negate the fact that they also committed crimes. So they don't have a proper defense. What they should be getting is proper justice. They deserve to be called out for what they have done and to deal with the consequences of it. I believe in rehabilitation. I believe in second chances. I believe that God gives us grace. That's fine. 
But God doesn't just give you grace because that's what we expect of him and he's obligated. We first must recognize we have sinned. We first must recognize we have fallen short and we have to repent, confess our sins, admit to the crime, admit to the wrong, deal with the consequences, but knowing that there's still forgiveness, salvation, second chances, etc. We are to speak and judge fairly as men as well, not just a mayor. And that's part of what I, I wanted to do with this. I wanted to do this because these are young men that are being emboldened by a leader who has just validated them to do it again. And that's not only a detriment to society around these young people that may just do it again, but it's a detriment to them, is it not? If you care about them so much, if you love them so much and think that they just got the short end of the stick, which I would probably agree as well, then the most loving thing you can do is to tell the truth and to allow the consequences to meet them where they're at. Otherwise, guys, all we're going to see, not just in the city of Chicago, but in all of the United States, is a continual attempt of chaos. And we will continue to divulge into this direction. We have, we have the truth as Christians. We have the gospel. Christ has told us to go out and to disciple the nations. And for those of you that grew up without a father that, like myself, I didn't have that father and, and was really you know, tempted to go the wrong way, but you also been were saved by grace, right? Like, I mean, you can call yourself a Christian today. That's not by your doing. That is by the grace of God, the Father. Then we have that calling on our lives to do this, to reach out, to mentor, to disciple, to preach the gospel, to set up these churches, and to deal with the, the, the hard work that's going to take to get this done. So I'll leave it at that. The hope is this. We have all that we need. You have all that you need. But we have to understand and see what's happening here and just kind of filter this in the proper way. We don't do any justice by simply changing up the language and trying to coddle these young men and young girls. No, we need to be honest. We need to be real. They need to see, they need to face the consequences. There are consequences to every decision we make. As many conservatives like to say, Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. And there's a lot of truth to that, right? You do the wrong things. You do the things you know that have consequences behind it. Don't be shocked when you end up in prison. Shot, killed, beaten up, losing everything, losing your loved ones, losing your business. When you make decisions that are not loving towards your neighbor, that are sinful, and that God finds abhorrent, then you're going to get the result of that sin. So... Guys, I say this so that way uh, maybe we can just be encouraged to pray for the city of Chicago, my city, for the young men, for the churches to be to be bold and to just get out there. And I know many churches right now that are going out and preaching the gospel and evangelizing in great ways. God bless you guys. Uh, I, I thank you. And then for those that are all out and about broadly, I don't care where you're from, what nation you're from, whether that's Canada, Germany, whether that's uh, the UK, these things are still true nevertheless. And we have the answers. Christ is the answer. 
And so maybe the hope you need to hear is that in the midst of chaos, Christ is still there. I hope you found this to be helpful. I hope that this is just give you some good insight, maybe a, a different perspective. Please share this with somebody else so that way they too can kind of get this perspective and find hope in the midst of this all, this madness. And consider supporting this podcast. Your support will go a long way. I will shout you out in the next podcast. Look into the, the show description, support the show, a couple bucks a month. And uh, I promise to take that, reinvest it into this podcast to bring you more content that will serve you. Also, having some more uh, guests coming on soon, so stay tuned for that. But until next time, guys, God bless. If you found value, then please subscribe and leave an honest rating and review. And remember that in the midst of chaos, Christ is there.